What's going on, you guys? It's Johnny. Hey, and this is Rich. Hi, it's Ryan. And you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast with our great friend, Chris Frank. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome back to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Uh, host Jason, uh, Chris, and Ashley are not here today uh, as they were doing this at a different time than normal. I have a special kind of quick episode this week. Uh, our friend Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey is here since we are playing the Islanders. Uh, it'll be Thursday the 8th, which is probably when this will be posted. So uh, thanks for coming on, Dominic. My pleasure. So... Uh, let's get a little background on uh, Lighthouse Hockey for everybody who is uh, not an Islanders uh, fan, obviously. Um, okay, so, yeah, it's clearly the best Islanders site on the internet, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, it's in it's on the SB Nation network, so um, same network that St. Louis Game Time is on. And uh, mm-hmm. we've been running about eight or nine years, so we've kind of been through the Islanders bottoming out and rebuild, and, um, and they're resurrection and now the sort of next phase of, of drama and angst for Islanders fans. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah, kind of similar to how the blues kind of went through let's say four years ago, five years ago, maybe pre Hitchcock maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting watching the parallels that the blues were kind of a little bit ahead of the Islanders in terms of bottoming out and rebuilding and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I've always I said I was, uh, I don't think the blues bottomed out enough. Yeah, I always thought they they and they bottomed out. Of course, is the one year where there wasn't a clear cut uh, kind of number one draft pick compared to like the years before and after. We were in between the Crosby and Kane, of course. So, but you know it happens. So, um, so the Blues are playing Islanders. I figured I'd have you on and kind of go over some things and how the Islanders are doing this year. Maybe give us a little uh, insight uh, on how their season's going. You guys had a big. uh, kind of upheaval over the off season. Mm-hmm. You kind of had uh, uh, Franz Nielsen, a longtime Islander, uh, left for Detroit. Um, Kyle Ocposo went to Buffalo, both for big money, too. They both made a good good chunk of money leaving. And then uh, you guys went out and signed Andrew Ladd, which I, I was a fan of that signing, actually. I thought they'd be a good replacement. Uh, hasn't really worked out. Tell us how, uh, how things are going. Um, yeah, they're going really poorly. Um, <laughs> if if it weren't for the last week where they beat like three of the top Metro teams and they're on like a little 4-0-1 run, uh, it would be, you know, total Armageddon. Um, it was kind of headed that direction, at least among fans before that. And they're still, I mean, they're almost at the bottom of the league. They're, their underlying numbers, you know, and analytics and stuff do not uh, give much reason for hope. Um, it started, you know, in... I think the off-season upheaval, uh, part of it was cap reasons. Um, they they knew they weren't going to overpay for Matt Martin, so, you know, he was gone. Kyle Oposo, for whatever reason, they never got much traction on a long-term extension. I think maybe a couple of his, of his injuries made them worry about that. Um, and Franz Nielsen, they did want to keep. He was probably the most important piece they lost, but he was – 
I think they, he was kind of a real, really loyal team guy. And, um, he took two team friendly contract contracts on his previous deals. And I think they sort of took them for granted and assumed that he would do that again. So, um, once it got to that flirtation window, he said multiple times, that was the first time he ever thought about leaving. And, you know, and he mentioned for, for some godforsaken reason that for Europeans, the Red Wings are like the Manchester United of the NHL. So when they came calling, it was really intriguing to him, unfortunately. That's weird. So, yeah. Um, and I, I think like, you know, the Islanders did that sort of homegrown rebuild and all these guys grew up with the team together and I, they, they got better each year. Um, but I think there was some sense that there was complacency in terms of, you know, them just getting to the playoffs was enough based on the history. And then just finally winning a playoff round was enough last year. But I, it's so, you know, they brought in Nick Letty and Johnny Poichak a couple of years ago. And I think they saw Andrew Ladd as a similar thing. Like they need some outside guys who have won before and who have more of that urgency where they're not just like, you know, Hey, look how much better we are than, than we used to be. So um, I think that was the reasoning behind it. I, I like Ladd as a player and I think he'll be fine. He he's had a slow start, but uh, the contract is, is a worry because that's like another, uh, you know, guy going into the, going into his thirties signed for big money for a long term. Um, but they do have some other yet more young prospects coming up. So if they, if they use them right, which is a genuine concern based on how they've handled some of their other guys, but if they use them right, I think the future is, is still promising, but this season certainly looks like, you know, unless they they keep up their recent play from the past week and a half, which is doubtful. I mean, it looks like they're already in too big of a hole to dig out of. Yeah, they're uh, just 500 right now at 10, 10, and 3, I believe is what I'm looking at. That's right. Yeah, they're 10, 10, 10, and 5, excuse me. So, um, just as Avi said, this week's kind of propelled them up a little bit. Kind of like right behind the Blues is uh, kind of the hotter teams. Uh, in the league right now. So it's kind of interesting uh, dynamic. And the Blues are really awful, not awful, but not good road team this year. And they're virtually unbeatable at home right now, except for when I go, apparently. When I go, <laughs> shootouts, apparently, in overtime. When I, the, I think the three times they've lost in either overtime or shootouts, I've been to two of them. Nice. And the 12 wins, 12 wins I have not been to. So Yeah. But um, anyway, so – a couple other things that do my uh, Islanders research I thought was uh, interesting prospects. Uh, Jack Capuano, the uh, coach, seems to be on the hot seat. He's still kind of on the hot seat, even though this, like you said, this, you don't think this trend is going to keep, uh, this upward trend is going to keep going. So is he going to be on the hot seat, you think, or do you think it's uh, maybe if they'll replace him midseason, wait to the end, see how things go? Yeah, I, you know, there's an interesting dynamic there because he's – very nearly one of the longest serving coaches in the league. And he's seen them through this rebuild and Garth Snow likes him a lot and believes in him um, and preaches patience with him. Um, but, you know, the team, the team hasn't really performed, even though they won in the playoffs last year, they were pretty clearly outplayed by Florida. Uh, they kind of won on the back of, of Thomas Grice and goal and John Tavares is heroic. So, I mean, there was concerns here, and then the way they started this, it just doesn't seem like Capuano is able to get them to the next level yet, or he's not, you know, maybe his voice has fallen flat, flat. maybe he's run out of ideas for how teams adjust to, to his approach, but he, he, the fan base just more and more 
seems ready for him to go. But the general manager seems like he's going to keep faith in him. And then you combine that with the new owners who just took majority control last year are very invested in pleasing the good experience in Brooklyn and in reconnecting with the alumni. Well, I'm sure the alumni have a lot of opinions on the, the management regime. So it kind of seems like Snow's going to stick with Capuano for this season no matter what. And then because he knows that he might be himself on the hot seat this summer, there's been you know reports that uh, the ownership has been talking to potential executives to be like a team president that would be above Snow. Um, so I, I think there's probably a sense, you know, that this is a, a pivotal year for him anyway, and it seems like he wants to stick with Capuano. That kind of seems to be the word um, or the sense from a lot of the reporters close to the team, especially like Arthur Staple of Newsday is the, the only beat reporter who's really there every day, um, and, and that seems to be what, what he's projecting for them. So, yeah, this and all the more so that these recent wins probably got him off uh, got Capuano off a, a perceived hot seat, even if he's not really there. Yeah, that's a listen. You describe that it sounds extremely close to kind of how the Blues are to a degree, minus the ownership issues you kind of had there. This is exactly how a Blues fans been feeling with uh, Ken Hitchcock throughout pretty much right. his tenure, except for this is definitely his last year. So, uh, what do you think? You think he'll uh, make it through the year? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I need a lot of Blues fans, unless the Blues really, really, really tank it. I really don't see the Blues making a change mid-year, right. especially with the you know 50 years, the Winter Classic, and all that stuff. I think they'll, they'll gut it out as long as they're not going into like a 1-12 tailspin, I guess. Right, and I think the same, like you said, that like Armstrong seems to be you know tight with him and a believer. And, you know, it's funny, you know, following two teams – closely like I have with the Islanders and Blues, the, the parallels are often amazing and the, the fan complaints are so similar that you start to like picture yeah, them. Mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. And also think like, Oh God, just about every team goes through this except for the ones that are lucky enough to be, you know, in the finals or make winning an actual cup. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So that's other things with the uh, fans may not know about you. So you live in St. Louis and you're a Blues and Islanders fan. And right. uh, the reason you're Islanders fan is because of? Al Arbor. Uh, yeah. my, my dad was a big fan of Al Arbor when he was captain, the first captain of the Blues. And uh, and when Scotty Bowman left, you know, he became coach. Um, you know, my dad was ticked off that the Blues, uh, you know, fired Arbor. They thought they did that too soon, so... Uh, when I came along, he would tell me stories about Arbor, and he would mm-hmm. encourage me to, to follow um, the team he had with the Islanders. So that's just kind of, you know, I did what Dad asked me to. <laughs> I got you. But, yeah, it just doubled the, the fun and the pain, especially it's, they're, virtu- they're, they're never, like, competing for the same stakes. So it's been easy to kind of develop a, a following of both of them. Really. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, another thing which has kind of popped up on Blues fans' Twitter this week was uh, one of the regular kind of art, art Lippo. He uh, posted a uh, dream scenario of the Blues acquiring John Tavares, which uh, I have the trade in front of me. So uh, the Blues would trade Jaden Schwartz, uh, Robbie Fabry, a first-round pick, a first-round pick in 18, and a third-round pick in 19. 
for John Tavares and a third round pick. According to Xbox One, mind you. And <laughs> nice. they're obviously having fun. So dream scenario. But what's a, what's a, like the current kind of John Torres situation? Since there's been like minor rumbling, since he's going to be the, probably one of the bigger free agents if he does make it that far in two years. Um, well, next year. No, two years, yeah. Uh, so what's kind of in the rumbling so far? Is there really any kind of traction to him even remotely leaving? Or is it pretty much they're kind of waiting to a good time to re-sign him? Uh, certainly no chance via trade. Um, there's just no way that that would happen. Um, they're, they're all in with him. Uh, he's one of those guys because he was born in the Toronto area. He's a guy who, since his draft day, the, the Toronto media has been like, you know, he needs to do a Lindros and force a trade back to the Leafs. This is what needs to happen, blah, blah. You know, it's like we've actually, on Lighthouse Hockey, we, we've started a post that just catalogs the number of times that Tavares has basically told the Toronto media, uh, you know, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, and, and no, that's not, you know, he's not planning to leave and wouldn't want to leave. But, he, you know, you really believe it with him, even more so than with Stamkos. I think Tavares, he's attached himself to the history of the franchise. He really feels like, I mean, he's really driven. I, you know, he's not as great as, as Crosby or McDavid. or He's not at that level, but he's a really driven guy who I think, part of what he perceives for himself in his future is, um, you know, doing that thing where he carries the team that drafted him all the way to the Stanley Cup. He wants that to happen. Um, he's, he signed for, for very good team-friendly value the last time, uh, which I think ate, you know, ate, like at least one year of unrestricted free agency. So, you know, and they'll be able to re-sign him uh, this summer, you know, when I'll have a year left. They've, they've always said that, you know, as soon as that, that day comes, they'll be talking to him about an extension. The only way I can see him leaving is if things go so horribly that, you know, his confidence or his starts to think about whether it's ever possibly going to happen here with the Islanders. But I think if things go really badly, the new ownership is going to make uh, swift management changes and they will make moves to, to you know, uh, restore it, make sure that he still believes that he can get it done here. Cause I, he just, he, you know, he like a lot of players, people don't realize this, but a lot of players like living on long Island. Like it's basically, it's kind of an ideal spot if you have money because you're close to the beach, you're close to the big city. Um, and, and you can be a little bit anonymous. So, I mean, players like that, um, and he's attached to the history here. So I, I just, I don't see it as very likely that he will leave unless the new ownership screws up the transition um, so well. But they're going to have a lot of time to talk to him. And they're probably going to overpay him. They're probably going to offer him too much cap space to keep him because, you know, I think he's a very good player, but he's going to need a, a better supporting cast around him to, to carry them all the way. Yeah. Also, I kind of saw um, some people have mentioned the Islanders being a possible team at the end on the – to possibly want Kevin Shattenkirk? Yes, no, in your opinion? Um, I think they would, yes. I don't think they have the assets to get him as a rental um, or, or that they want to part with him. And I don't think afterward they'd have the budget for the, the, the contract he's going to want in free agency. So, I mean, like, I, I think that's – he's somebody they would kick the tires on. They would like that kind of – 
guy to do um, to add to their transition. But they've already got some big money on the blue line tied up in Letty and Boychuk, uh, and they have a couple prospects that they know that are going to be cheap, um, you know, for the next few years. So yeah, it, it's they would I bet, but but the match probably isn't there. Yeah, if you guys want to get rid of Hamannick, that's fine. Yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay with that. But I know the figure wouldn't happen. But right, yeah, it's all miss because he's. You know, the rumor is he wants to go back northeast. So of course, yeah. Boston, the Rangers, and the Islanders, of course, been and been the three kind of big ones that have been kicked around. Um, yeah. And then lately, Toronto. Lately, Toronto's been one of those two that's been kind of kicked around. Uh, right. Seems like right. most of those guys where they say, "Oh, they want to go back to the northeast." Uh, it's you, you know, whether they're college free agents or, or NHL free agents. It seems like usually they go to the Rangers or Bruins. <laughs> yeah, because because Shanker grew up like not too far from um, Madison Square Garden, so yeah, he's a, he's a Rangers fan growing up. So I kind of expect him to go there one way or another, either via trade. I fully expect the Blues to not to not get anything for him. Yeah, me too. As much as I uh, I like him and the amount of, and the and the points and stuff, his defense has not been uh, what they say great this year. Uh, yeah, his analytics are uh, awful. <laughs> his possession is, yeah. I think he's the worst of the six, our top six. Wow. And, and Bortuzzo is like kind of doing better than him. Last time I checked, <laughs> Bortuzzo had this little stretch of doing really well that he always does. He always has that like 10 game stretch where Bortuzzo plays out of his mind. Right. And then he, then he goes back to being a number seven defenseman. Right. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but, but he got hurt this time. So there, so. So, not, so it gets to go rest, and then we'll go back to our usual uh, combos. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Shen Kirk is so good offensively that you know I'm I would be prone to forgive his his lapses, but not at the salary he's he's going to want. And and also like last year's playoffs really uh, made me. Yeah, I mean I was I was so certain that we were going to hear about him playing through a, an injury last year because of how. I mean, you know, he was just soft on defense. He wasn't yeah. he wasn't covering guys close. He was, you know, San Jose came out hard and, and he was leaving way too much room. And it's like that's no, right? They're building this team for a playoff contender and and, and that's how you're gonna kind of play D when the chips are all down. So Yeah, yeah. that's kinda of, yeah, like um Breco is like his defensive game is grown by leaps and bounds. And if you put those mm-hmm. two out there, you can see such a huge difference of Franco hasn't got the goal. He hasn't got a goal yet, which is kind of crazy. But, um, you know, he's not too many. He's only seven points off of where uh, Shattenkirk's at. Oh, yeah. So it's not that much. And his plus minus is a little about the same, I believe. I have to look at the stats. But um, so where do you see uh, the Islanders being at the end of the year? I think we're going to be a playoff. You're going to be a playoff team, wild card spot, maybe in the top three of the division. Um, you know, before the season, I thought they would get a wild card spot again, but uh, with the way they've started, like I would not bet on them making the playoffs. So there's there's going to be some uh, some tough decisions and soul searching, and and probably at minimum they probably will, I bet, bring in an executive to be above Garth Snow to sort of look at uh, different ways. Because I mean, it, you know, Snow's been there a long time and he had a bad rap in the beginning, but he he did a lot with not a lot of resources and he's done a lot of good things for the organization, but I also think like he's been slow to sort of see some of their weak points. Um, so it, it probably makes sense to have another voice in, at least in the, the decision making structure. 
Um, and I think that'll probably happen because I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Do you see uh, kind of like what the Blues did to a degree? Like you know, we brought in Brett Hall back, but not in a kind of more of a business aspect. Uh, yeah. They brought in like Martin Brodeur, but he was more of a scout assistant type guy. And obviously McKinnis is here as VP of player personnel. Um, do you think I'm bringing in like a former kind of Islander, not even great, maybe just an Islander, just a, just a name wise that will help out with bringing in a, you know, eyes back to the organization? Or do you think I'm looking more of like a strict hockey mind type guy? I, I think it, from the sounds of it, it looks, it looks like they're looking at both. Like they, they want the alumni connection to be a bigger part of the tradition, a bigger part of the, the organization. And I think that's, also a point of emphasis because they moved away from the Coliseum to Parkley. So, you know, for some it's like, no, this isn't the home I grew up in, but also I think a, a hockey mind. And it, there's been like reports about uh, the, the main owner who's, who's active, Ledecky. Uh, there's two owners, but he's the guy who's the kind of face of it. You know, I'm talking with everybody from like player agents to Wayne Gretzky to, uh, you know, former GMs. I think, you know, every time a name pops out, they're like, oh, he's looking at them as a candidate. I, I think he's soliciting opinions, but he's also looking at, you know, what sort of uh, change. And, you know, it's kind of like how Florida has, has a different structure in management that's freaking traditional hockey people out. I don't think he would be as extreme as the Panthers, but I think he's going to look at, you know, different things. Um, even if it means keeping snow around, I think there's going to be another hockey mind in there. Interesting. So just before we wrap up, uh, who are your top kind of three, let's say, I mean, prospects slash young guys on the uh, either Islanders or uh, your AHL team on who we should keep an eye out for who are either either already on the team or um, virtually on the cusp of making the team? Right. Uh, so Anthony Beauvillier is a 19-year-old who made the team this year. He, he's playing about half the game's. He's kind of a, a scrappy, all, you know, two-way, all-zone guy, can play center or wing, can score, but um, just, you know, has a natural defensive conscience. Um, he's, he's a little undersized, but he doesn't shy away. So he's not their top prospect, but he's who Blues fans might see tomorrow. I don't know. Um, uh, another 19-year-old who was in camp the whole way and made the team, um, but they sent back to juniors is Matthew Barzal. He's going to be he should be fantastic if they handle him right. He's he lights up the Western League. Um, he's one of those juniors who's, you know, last year and this year he was probably too good to still be in juniors. But um, they want him to be a center. They kind of want him to be that second center behind Tavares long term. And so they it turns out and this is I think the coaching staff didn't want to risk you know having him learn on the fly for that position this year. Um, and then on the blue line, Ryan Pulak is. Uh, he, he's got a cannon of a shot. He's a right-handed shot. Um, he'd be playing now if it weren't for a broken, uh, it was a broken foot that he suffered earlier in the season. But he's going to be a big, uh, a, a big power play producer for them, uh, you know, in the long run. Awesome. Oh, I'm surprised you. Uh, Josh Hosang, nothing. How's he doing? Yeah, I should probably address that too. Uh, yeah, because he's he's exciting in a lot of ways. He's he's offensive driven, talented, he's flashy, and he's one of those guys, he doesn't play the sort of traditional in-the-box, only structured um, way, and that, that doesn't mean he, like, cherry picks and doesn't play defense, but it means, like, 
he's more creative and tries to think of, of new approaches into the offensive zone or around guys. Um, he's the kind of guy that the Islanders would give a chance to. He's also the kind of guy that Capuano would probably resist playing for too long because he doesn't feel the sort of old school vibe. But I mean, it's, I, I think he has a good chance to be a good NHL player. Uh, he's been pretty good in Bridgeport uh, in the AHL so far. Um, but also he's running the, you know, they've got traditional coaches down there too who are like, yeah, but you got to do the predictable thing in this situation and that situation. And and there's merit to that too. But um, I think, you know, when you have a guy who's got creative offensive talent and vision in a league that's capped in the league that has so much parity, I think you got to take a shot on a few guys like that. Yeah. Uh, David Perron, is that good comparison? Pretty close. Um, Yeah, probably – like a young David Perron, like yeah. David Perron that's kind of been with the team this year. You kind of don't recognize since he's like a two-way player on the exactly. penalty kill. And yeah, kind of I mean, weird. yeah, he could follow that that same path that Perron does. And he's, you know, the same way where like when Perron came up, you know, they're like, oh, he's very talented, but he's he's so young and green to the game. Um, I think Hosang is a guy, he grew up around Toronto, so he's a little more experienced in, in that way. He's also opinionated. He's kind of like worldly conscious outside of the rink. Um but yeah, I mean, he might follow that path. Hopefully, he'll be better. But he, yeah, he could that's be worse. Kind of, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like my comparison. Kind of like listening to you describe him. It kind of sounds like yeah, David Prawn type thing. Right. So uh, all right, let's go ahead and we'll wrap things up here. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can uh, view uh, Lighthouse Hockey? Uh, LighthouseHockey.com is is where we are on the, the Espionation Network um, and. Our, our Twitter feed of, that I operate mostly is at LH Hockey, um, and yeah, we're, you know it's it's a kind of balanced site. We post analytic stuff, we post you know old school stuff, we do a lot of satire. It's all of the above, uh, mostly you know group therapy and, and try to keep ourselves sane and enjoying uh, following a team that you know is as frustrating and, and usually more so than the Blues. So. Oh, interesting. So we'll see how this uh, Blues start their road trip uh, at New York, and they go four games. I think they're going through uh, Jersey on Friday, uh, Minnesota on Sunday, and then I think they got one more after that. So interesting. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, sharing some of the uh, insights on the Islanders. And uh, yeah, we'll, exactly. try, we'll, yeah, we'll try to check back in maybe when the Islanders visit uh, St. Louis, which I think is. February, I believe, if I looked at the calendar right. I thought it was February, early March. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was late February. So maybe we'll check in again and see how uh, things are going. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Dominic. You bet, Chase.